It's great to be home again. Right, it's great to be home again. So let me just take a good look at all of you. I've not seen you for a long time. Still looking good? Looking young? Looking as handsome as before? As beautiful? Well, praise the Lord. Just want you to know that Carrie and I, we have been well. We just thank the Lord for His grace upon our lives for this new season He has given to us. As you know, we were supposed to travel after I stepped down, but because of COVID, we could not. But thank God, next month we are traveling. Wow. For our long-awaited honeymoon. Yeah. And likely I'll be seeing uh, Pastor Lim in uh, Las Vegas also. I will send him your regards. Amen. Are you ready for the word? Yeah, man. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come before your awesome presence. And Lord, as you look into your word, open our ears, O God. Open our hearts, O God. Speak to us in your own special way. We commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd like to entitle my message, God, I just don't understand. God, I just don't understand. I don't know about you, but there are things in life that I just don't understand. For example, I don't understand why Kenneth here he has double eyelids and I don't have. <laughs> After being married to Caris for almost 38 years, I still cannot understand why from time to time I could not understand her. I just could not understand. But on a more serious note, why would God allow a senior pastor, a good husband, and also a father to die of COVID. How can a young woman with a bright future before her and her life was shortened because of cancer? How could a baby born to a young couple and then just a few days later, the baby passed away? How come at times we pray and pray and yet we don't see the breakthrough? And why some people are healed and some are not healed? The list could go on. The fact is that in life, from time to time, we face with situations that just don't make sense. And we could not understand nor comprehend the ways of God. We just could not fully understand. So the point is this, when you face with such situations and when you don't understand, what do you do? What do you do? Of course, we ask why. We shall more, right? We ask God, how come? We have many questions before the throne of grace and we struggle and of course, finally, we had to accept the situation, but deep inside us, emotionally, we are 
affected. And sometimes we doubt. Do you doubt? Do you doubt God and the goodness of God? But doubts have a way of affecting us, especially when our sincere doubts become skeptical doubts. Doubts can lead us to discouragement and then to a point of despair. And of course, we are down not just emotionally, mentally, but also spiritually. And then we, you know, find ourselves being disillusioned. The sense of disillusionment just creeps into our hearts. And then we can end up, you know, dejected, a sense of dejection, really feeling very, very low. And worst of all is deconstruction. What is this deconstruction? It's a term now commonly being used in the evangelical circle. Deconstruct means to dismantle. It's about a believer dismantling his faith and finally departing from the faith. That is deconstruction. So therefore, church, when you come before a situation where you don't understand what matters, what matters? So this morning, I'd like to turn your attention to one of our favorite verses in the scripture. And from there, I want to draw three very important points as really what really matters when you face with such situation where we don't fully comprehend or understand. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. We are all very familiar with these two verses where the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways and knowledge or submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. Two very powerful verses. What matters when we don't understand? First of all, faith matters. Faith matters. Trust in the Lord. Our faith in the Lord, it is so important. And of course, we are to trust in the Lord at all times. But the fact is that it is easier to trust the Lord or, or a faith in God when everything is going well in life. When you get your dream job, when your portfolio is up, when you move into a new house, when your children get into the chosen school, wow, we praise the Lord. It's easy to trust in the Lord during good times. But will your faith will still be strong and steadfast when the world falls upon you? When the sky just turns dark over your life? When sorrow buffers you like a storm? Or when you feel like you're at the tail end of your, your life? Will your faith be still strong? Will you still continue to believe God no matter what? Church, there are two sides to faith I want you to understand. First, I call the expectant faith. And second, there is the enduring faith. First, expectant faith. That means you, you expect, you know, the mighty God to work 
breakthroughs, miracles, healing in your life. You believe God for the supernatural. You always have faith in God that God with all things it is possible with a great and mighty God. So you're always at the point expecting God to do something powerful in your life. Expectant faith. But there's also the enduring faith. Enduring faith means enduring faith means you continue to believe in God even when your prayers are not answered. When things are going not going your way. When you're faced with a mountain or situation that really overwhelms you, when you couldn't fully understand or comprehend, you continue to believe in God and you trust in the Lord. That is enduring faith in God. You do not allow the situation you know, to defeat you nor weaken your faith in God. You continue to believe. That is enduring faith. Yes, there's the expectant faith, but there's also the enduring faith. Church, I want you to know this this morning. Faith doesn't always take you out of the problem. Faith takes you through the problem. Faith doesn't always remove the pain away from you. But faith gives you the ability to handle the pain. Faith doesn't always, you know, take the, the issue, the problem, the calamity, or the storms out of your life. Faith comes to you in the midst of the storm. Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter about heroes of faith in God. People who trusted in the Lord. People who put their faith in the Lord no matter what. In Hebrews 11, you see many demonstrating expectant faith. But you also see people having enduring faith. Because many of them, they die in faith without receiving the promises. That's what happened to many of the heroes of faith in the book of Hebrews. They die without having received the promises. That's why we need to recognize also that faith is believing when I don't see it. Faith is obeying even when I don't understand it. Faith is giving when, even when I don't have all of it. And faith is persisting when I don't feel like it. And most of all, faith is trusting you and when I don't get in. That is faith. That's why Corinthine Boone, she say, faith is the radar that sees through the fog. Wow, isn't that powerful? By faith, we see beyond our situation. By faith, we see beyond the mountains before us. That's what Corinthian is trying to say to all of us. Faith is the radar that sees through the fog. That means we continue to believe in God no matter what. Why do we still believe? Because He is God. Our circumstances may change, but our God remains the same. And someone says, Amen. Right? That's why we still continue to believe.
You remember the story of Job in the Old Testament? Job suffered greatly. None of us want to go through what Job experienced. He had many questions before God. But Job, he continued to trust in the Lord. His faith in God remained strong in God in spite of his very challenging situation in life. And when God appeared to Job, what did God say to him? You remember? God appeared to Job. Take for example, your Job. I'm God. And God said to Job, Job, poor thing. You're going to such difficult, challenging times. I'm so sorry. You have to put up with all the nonsense even though you do not understand. I want you to know it has, it's all because of Satan. He wanted to test you. He said, you are righteous and perfect man. No matter what happened, you still continue to believe in me. One. So therefore, I have no choice but allow you to go through you know, that difficult situation in life. I'm so thankful, Job, you came out strong in your faith. All right? So uh, let me just explain to you, you know, why it has taken place so you can understand, you know, your situation. Did God say it to Job? No, right? No, God did not give Job an explanation, nor a clarification. Instead, in a thunderous monologue, he revealed himself to Job. He said, Job, I am God. I'm all-powerful. I'm eternal. I'm majestic. I'm perfect. I'm sovereign. And I am wise. That's what God revealed himself to Job. God did not even bother to explain to Job what had really transpired. You see, from the story of Job, there's a simple implication. The implication is this. God is God, Job is not, and we are not. That's the implication. That's why whenever I go, whenever I face a challenging situation that I don't fully understand, I remind myself, that God is God and I am not. God is God and I am not. That's a very important truth we need to grasp. In 1975, a Jesuit philosopher by the name of John Kavanaugh, he went to Calcutta and I wanted to spend some time in the charity of Mother Teresa. He went there, wanted to stay for a few months because he had certain issues that he could not fully understand. He had his own struggles and we hoped that, you know, having spent some time there, it would help him to resolve some of the issues in his own life. So he went there and the next morning he met Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa asked John, how can I pray for you? 
And John said to Mother Teresa, I'm having some struggles. Pray that I will have clarity. Pray that I will have clarity. And immediately, Mother Teresa said to him, No, I will not going to pray for you for clarity. Don't even seek after clarity. And John was a bit surprised. And then he asked uh, Mother Teresa, How come? Because I noticed that, I noticed that you, you always you know, have clarity in whatever you do in your life. You always have clarity. And Mother Teresa kind of laughed and he said, John, no, I don't have clarity. What I have all this while is trust. I just learned to trust in the Lord. And if I'm going to pray for you, that you will trust the Lord no matter what. That your faith in God will remain strong and steadfast in the face of your struggles. Trust, faith. You know the story of Thomas in the New Testament? Thomas doubted the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And looking at scriptures in John chapter 20, then Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in, into my sight. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. That's an acknowledgement of his faith and belief in God. And then in verse 29, take note. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That is enduring faith. It is not blind faith. It is bold faith in God in the face of situations that we don't fully understand. That's why, church, I say to you, faith matters. Second, foundation matters. Foundation matters. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. The word understanding simply means what you understand or your comprehension or your insight of things in life. Let me ask you a question. Where do you get your understanding? Peter, where do you get your understanding? Where do you get your understanding? Basically, a few sources, all right? A few. Let me highlight. First, from our teacher. So the word is guru. Guru is the Malay word for teacher. So we get a lot of understanding, our comprehension, our insight from our teachers. Not just teachers in school, but in other, you know, uh, contexts. So we get understanding from our guru, right? Number two, 
The second source of our understanding from people who are experienced. People who are eaten more salt than rice, you know, compared with us. So we seek counsel, advice from senior people. So this group of people, I call them our grandfather. So we get wisdom, understanding from our grandfathers, right? The second source. What's the third source? Google. Now everything we want to know, we Google. And from Google, you know, it gives us a lot of information, a lot of understanding, a lot of data, a lot of facts. That's where we get our understanding also from Google. So we get understanding from our guru, from our grandfathers, from Google also. Of course, the worst is when we get our understanding from gossipers. People just gossip things that they think they know. And we just, you know, take in whatever they say to us. But just ultimately, our understanding must come from God's Word. Comes from the Word of God, the divine scripture. That's where we should get our understanding. Because the fact is that we, we assess our life situation, you know, by the understanding that we have in life. We make assessment based on our understanding. So therefore, church, two questions for you. Through what lens do you see life? Through what lens do you see life? Second question is, with what lenses do you, you know, uh, discern and examine your current reality? In terms of what you're facing right now, with what lenses do you discern and make judgments with what lenses? Every one of us, we look at life through certain you know, lenses that we have based on our understanding. But we as Christians, let me say that again. But we as Christians, it is so important that we view life and our situations with biblical lenses. And that is so important because that is the foundation to our understanding of life. View life and situation through biblical lenses. The Bible is an open lens that gives us understanding of God's viewpoint of life. And therefore, by filtering our circumstances, you know, through the divine lenses, that's where we gain a broader, a broader understanding and most of all, an eternal you know, perspective of our situation and of our life. And that is so important so crucial. That's why Dan Redland, he say, our perception, the filter through which we see everything has tremendous effect on our lives. You know, what lens that we see through life has a great effect on you and on me in one way or another. That's why Proverbs chapter 7 Verses 1 to 3, the Bible says, My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. 
Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. In other words, we must look at things, look at life through the, the lenses of the Scripture. And that is so needful. In these few verses in Proverbs, there are three challenges for all of us. Three very important challenges. Number one is that we learn to see life through the lens of the Scripture. Look at life from the lens of the Scripture, what the Bible has to say to me. That is important. And we must learn that. Second, saturate our hearts and mind with Scripture. That's why we must store the Word of God inside of us. When the Word of God is inside of us, that's where we learn to view life through the lenses of the Word within us. If God's Word is not in you, when you don't have that understanding of the Scripture, then you tend to view life through another lens based on your own understanding and not based on the Scripture. That's why the third challenge is sort out current situation according to Scripture. What the Bible has to say about what you are going through. That is the foundation. What the Word of God is saying to us. What the Bible has to say about life. About death, for example. Death is not a nice word. But the fact is that according to the Scripture, death is a victory. That is biblical perspective. So what does the Bible say to us about life, about death? What does the Bible say about marriage? Culture is trying to redefine marriage. But what does the Bible have to say about marriage? What does the Bible say about trials and tribulations, about end times? So what is the Bible saying to us? That's why the foundation is, what does the Bible say? I pray that all of us here, we learn to dig deeper into the Word of God. We set your mind and heart with the Word, so that it will be a guide, a lamb that will guide our path. That we begin to see things, see life, and face situations you know, through the lenses of the Word of God. And when God's Word speaks to your heart, that's where you'll be comforted, that's where you'll be strengthened, and not based on your own understanding. Sometimes we view life through a very narrow focus, you know, lens in us, instead of the eternal, you know, lens that we should be putting us. Sometimes we view life through our own, you know, hurts and pains inside of us, and not through the love of God, abiding in each and every one of us. So may you and I view life through the lenses of the Word of God, the divine Word of God. Let me tell you a story about a farmer who has a horse and a son. One day, his one and only horse ran away. And the neighbors came by and the neighbors said to the farmer, Oh, farmer, poor thing. You have only one horse. 
and now your horse ran away. So sorry, you know, that this has happened to your life. Poor thing, dear farmer. And the farmer replied to his neighbors, and the farmer said, Well, could be good, could be bad, don't know yet. That's what he said. The next day, the horse came back with another horse. Wow. That means his, his horse must be a female. <laughs> came back with another horse. And then the neighbors came by. The neighbors said, wow, you are so blessed. You know, your horse ran away and now the horse came back with another horse. Wow, so wonderful. Wow, you are so blessed. The neighbors said to him. And now and then the, then the farmer came out and he said to them, well, could be good, could be bad, don't know yet. Next day, his one and only son played with a horse. And the horse kicked him and broke his leg. Wow. The neighbors came by. Neighbors said to the farmer, Oh, farmer, poor thing. Your one and only son now, his leg is broken. Oh, so sad. And then the farmer said to them, Well, could be good, could be bad. Don't you know yet. Then the next day, war broke out in the country. And the army came to enlist all the young men into the army. And they came to the farmer's house because his son's leg was broken. So he was exempted from joining the army. The neighbors came by and they said to him, Oh, farmer, you are so blessed. Your son don't have to go to the army. Our sons are now in the battlefield. We don't know whether they will come back dead or alive. You are so blessed. And the farmer said to them, what did the farmer say? Could be good, could be bad, don't you know yet. What's the point of the story? It is true that in most life situations, it could be good, it could be bad, we don't know yet. But the fact we as Christians, when we look at our situation through the lens of the scripture, we know that all things work for good to those who love God and call to His purpose. That means it will be good. Not just could be good, could be bad. It will be good. Someone says, Amen. So whatever is happening in your life and my life, it will be good because we stand on the promise of the divine Word of God based on what God is saying to us. So faith matters, foundation matters, and finally, fundamental matters. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on your own understanding, in all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. Fundamental matters. The word fundamental means prime importance. The prime importance in your life and my life is Him. It's Jesus in our lives. In other words, the most important thing is your relationship with God. It's your walk with the Lord. In whatever situation you're facing, what matters is your relationship with God in terms of how much do you know your God. 
how much do you rest in the goodness and the faithfulness of your God? How much do you know Him? That's why in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, this is what the Lord says, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me. Wow. If there's one thing we should boast of the fact that we know our God, they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord. So ultimately what is important is your relationship with God. How much do you know your God? He is your Savior. He saves you. He died for you. He's the Lord of your life. And therefore, we come before our Savior. In whatever situation we are facing, we say, God, no matter what, you have a wonderful plan for my life. And Lord, I trust in you. You have saved me, you have delivered me, and surely you continue to guide me. He's your Savior. He's your shepherd, your good shepherd. He will lead you step by step. The Bible says, the steps of good men are ordered by the Lord. The good shepherd will lead you step by step. He's your shepherd. That's why some day we say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack or I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the power of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And as Psalmist David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David was so, so assured that the good shepherd will guide him no matter what. He's your saviour, he's your good shepherd, and ultimately, he's your strength. Yes, it's not easy to go through challenging situations. We need the strength of the Lord. That's where we learn to submit to the Lord. We learn to surrender to, to the Lord, and we learn to lean on the Lord. Let me just close with a story. One day, a father and his son was walking you know, in a park. And the son asked him a question. Dad, Dad, Father, how big is God? What is the size of God? And the father pondered for a moment. And then at that, mo- at that point, an aircraft you know, flew over them. And the father said to the son, Son, look up. Can you see the aircraft? How big is the aircraft? The son said, Dad, it is so small. So small. And the father then took the son to the airport. And they went into the airport and went uh, to the, close to the tarmac where all the uh, aircrafts are being parked. And the son had a good view of the aircraft. And the father asked the son, Son, how big is the aircraft? And the son said, Dad, it is so big. The aircraft is so huge. 
What's the point, church? The point is this: the nearer you are to God, the better view of your God you have in your life. The further away from God that you tend to look at your situations without the lens of your Almighty God, that's why you only see problems. You only see the negative sides of your situation. You cannot see the greatness of your God. That's why I say, the nearer you are to God, the closer the Word of God abides in your heart. That's where you're able to view life and your situations with a close up of your great and mighty God. That's why I say, fundamental. Your relationship with God. So, church, when you don't understand, remember, faith matters, foundation matters, and fundamental matters. Let us pray. Let us bow our hearts before the Lord this morning. We come before His awesome presence. I know that many of us we face. Challenging situation from time to time. Even right now, some of you are facing, you know, a situation that is beyond your control. What do you do? You learn to submit to God. Or maybe some of you here, because of a past event, something that happened in the past, you could not understand why God, you know, did what He. Has done, and you still struggle until today, and your faith has been affected somehow. I pray this morning that there will be a restoration of your faith, that you continue to trust in the Lord no matter what. Or some of you, you are facing a present challenging situation, and you need to say, God, I surrender to you. Lord, I trust in you. Some of you, you are struggling with your faith. You need to take take a step closer to the cross. You've been too far away from the cross. It's time for you to come close to the Lord. Say, God, I need Your touch. I need You. I need You, O oh God, to lead me step by step. So, whatever that's going through in your life right now, what I want you to do is to to surrender and to submit your life. And your situation to the Lord. For many of you, you, this morning you say, "God, I want to take a step closer to You, a step closer to the cross, that I may view my situation, that I may view life, dear Lord, with Your perspective, with Your lens, O oh God." That's what many of you need to do. Those of you who are struggling with a situation, you need to come before God and say, "God." I surrender my situation to you. I believe in you that all things are possible, and you put your faith in the Lord. And some of you are going through a situation that you could not understand. I pray that the enduring faith in you will remain strong, awesome. So while every is when every eye closed, I want to pray for you, and you say, "Yes, Pastor. This morning I need to take a step." A step closer to the Lord, a step closer to the cross. 
Yes, Pastor Kelvin, pray for me that I may learn to surrender and submit my situation to the Lord. Yes, Pastor Kelvin, pray for me as I go through this very challenging situation. I'm believing God for a breakthrough, for a miracle. Yes, believe because God is a miracle working God. But some of you, you are also saying to me, Pastor Kelvin, pray for me. I'm in a situation that I just could not understand. Pray for my enduring faith that I will be strong. So while every is when every eye closed, whoever you are, you know that God has spoken to you. And this morning you're saying, Yes, Pastor Kelvin, pray for me. If that's you, will you raise your hands to the Lord? Yes, 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 yes. I'm in the gallery also. Raise your hands to the Lord. Let the Lord seize your hand. He knows what you are going through in your life and in your situation. Are there others? Just raise your hand. This is a very sacred moment in the presence of the Lord. We need a breakthrough in the Lord. We need to come before the Lord and allow the Lord to touch us afresh and anew in a very powerful way. Yes, thank you for your hands. You can put your hands down. Let's stand together right now. Let's stand together. I believe that the Lord is here. He wants to touch us afresh and anew. We're going to sing this song, a very powerful song that declares that God is the God of my life, no matter what. So if we sing this song, especially the chorus to begin with, we have a few minutes left. I felt it is important for those who raise your hands. Do you take one step forward to the altar? Spend some time in the presence of the Lord and let the Holy Spirit just touch you afresh and new. You just surrender your life and your situation to the Lord in a very special way this morning here in the house of the Lord, in His presence. You experience a fresh touch in your life that God will strengthen your faith. So if you sing the chorus, those who raise your hands, many of you just come, find your place in the altar and say, God, I want to experience your touch. I want to meet you, Lord, strengthen my my faith, you take a step closer to the Lord, to the cross. Hallelujah. Yes, just come. Those who raise your hand, just come. Say, oh God, you are my God. As you come, you sing and you declare that God is the God of your life. Hallelujah.
I pray. Lord, touch everyone, O oh God. Your touch, O oh God. Your grace, O oh God. Your mercy, O oh God. Strengthen every heart of God. Let that faith be restored, be strengthened this morning. In the name of Jesus, O oh God. You're the Lord of their lives, O oh God. All things are possible with you, O oh God. Father, too. A powerful work, O oh God, this morning. Your hand of grace, O oh God. In Jesus' name, O oh God. Oh, in Jesus' name, those who are watching online also, wherever you are, you reach out to the Lord because the presence of the Lord is with you. Jesus Christ you've not received Jesus into your heart as your personal Savior this morning I want you to know that Jesus loves you he wants to be your friend he wants to be your Savior and your Lord so if you are here you have not received Jesus in your heart as a person person say I want to lead you to experience the grace of God if that's if you are here and you say yes Pastor Kelvin pray for me I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. If that's you, will you raise your hand up wherever you are? Is there one here? Yes, there's one in front here. God bless you, brother. Is there another one you said? Yes, pray for me. I want to receive Jesus as my personal Savior. This may not be your first time. You've been here before or second time, but you want to receive Jesus as your Savior. If there's one, another person, will you raise your hand wherever you are? Hallelujah. Thank God for this one hand So someone will pray for him So just let's raise our hands towards heaven And let's sing this chorus once again And declare with all your heart That no matter what You will say God You are the God of my life I will believe And I will continue to believe No matter what And I 